0: My goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hello, divas! It is time for me to tell you a little bit about my friend, Kathleen Kelly. Kathleen Kelly's projects and repertoire are wide ranging and diverse. From Mozart to commissioned works by her peers, she is both deeply experienced in the classical vocal canon and engaged in new creation. Some of her recent notable projects include a recording with soprano Emily Albrink, which we'll definitely reference in this episode. She's led the world premiere of Matt Bowler's opera Fat Pig, composed for activist soprano Tracy Cox, and the filmed opera Interstate, composed by Kamala Sankaram, co authored and performed by Kathleen and soprano Jennifer Cresswell, produced by Minnesota Opera. Kathleen has appeared internationally as a pianist in collaboration with singers, including appearances at super, super fancy, incredible, top tier venues around the world. If you want to know more, definitely just check out her website. But she has worked with so many companies, including San Francisco, The Met, Houston Grand, Vienna State Opera. And she is also regularly invited to speak and write on women's issues in the opera industry. Yeah, I think that's it. I am so thrilled to welcome kathleen to be one of our masterclass guests and i hope that you enjoy this episode so much so let's just get into it all right all right kathy thank you so much for being on studio class i am so thrilled to welcome you as a masterclass mentor to our space i was wondering if you would kick us off telling us just a little bit about yourself
1: okay thank you so much for the chance to be here I'm just I'm always so excited to to talk with you first of all but also to just be able to engage with another group of listeners this hey. is awesome thank you oh my pleasure <laughs> so I at this point in my life really identify as a teacher more than anything else but there are a lot of hats that I wear. Uh, I'm trained as a pianist and I still perform as a pianist um I do a lot of work coaching, working one-on-one one one on with other musicians, yeah. uh, chiefly singers. Yeah. Uh, I do some conducting. Um, at this point in my life, I'm doing a lot more writing, and um, I, I feel like I've really enjoyed a career where I've gotten to do all of that. I spent a lot of my time in opera houses, yeah. doing a variety of things, and the last 10 years have been in academic institutions and that's, that's pretty much me. Recently, oh. I relocated to Texas, um, which is where my husband and I live together and where I'm currently on faculty at Baylor University.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love that. So, Kathy, when, whenever we kind of get started here on Studio Class, I love to ask, what is an intention that you're keeping for yourself right now? So this can really be anything, but just kind of what are what's an intention that you're keeping for yourself?
1: Oh Wow, that's a that's a big one. Um, An intention that I'm keeping for myself is something that I read about for the first time probably 30 years ago, but that I am very purposefully trying to bring into daily practice and sort of constant practice throughout the day. And that is to simply uh, look at every situation that I enter into every interaction and ask myself, are you sure? Ooh, this is, I think a lot of teachers have employed this phrase in one way or another. I was introduced to it in uh, the writings of Thich Han, um yeah. a very important Buddhist teacher who recently left us, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I am finding that to be such a useful phrase and one that really engages me and my curiosity, and yeah. it's such an important thing to do, I think, as Probably all all through our lives, but particularly now as I start to enter, you know, the the part of my life where I'm older and I've done a lot of stuff. I think it's important for people who who might legitimately feel like experts or have people telling them they're they're experts ask themselves a lot like Are you You know? Yeah. So
0: yeah, that's that's I love that. Oh, I actually, Kathy, I don't think I've ever heard. I've never encountered that, that phrase, like, or or checking in with yourself that way. So that, thank you so much. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to sit with that a little bit, but I'm in those instances where you're asking, are you sure and if this is, you know, maybe too personal, I'm I'm already jumping right in here, but I'm wondering if the answer comes back to you and says, no, I'm not sure, or I'm unsure about this, can you talk a little bit about what what you do in that moment like what what happens after that answer comes back
1: no i'm not sure then well in in the act of teaching throughout the day the question are you sure comes out every time i want to tell a student in much in the way that i was told by my teachers no this is the right answer for that Mm -hmm. this is how this goes this is this is what the hallmark of this style is. This is where, this is where you should take time. This is where you shouldn't take time. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean,
1: I I hope I don't teach like that, but, 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 but I mean, fair enough, right? You, you accrue experience and part of why someone is studying with you is to, is to have that experience passed on and to have that information. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes the answer to that question is, are you sure is yes like yes i do know that there is a double t in that word yeah yeah <laughs> but but it's even if even if the question serves chiefly to slow me down mm-hmm. in the act of giving advice or the act of of giving an answer mm-hmm. like that's a beautiful opportunity to instead turn a question around um, to the person that I'm working with, to engage the the thought process and the and the the creativity and to encourage risk taking on the part of the, student, the the person that I'm working with.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I think a lot these days about the people who have done that beautifully with me. Yeah. or the times when, when I haven't been encouraged to do that. And something that's just very available for me as a teacher is that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every time I'm about to come out with, you know, in Poulenc, this, yeah. it's just great to to stop yourself with, are you sure? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is yes, but usually the answer is in between, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I do know what I want to say, but do I want to deliver it as a directive? Do I want to deliver it as an answer? Like, how do I want to deal with this information? How do I want to, how do I want to engage with the act of telling somebody something that's important to me or something that I feel that I know? Um, or, you know, or is that actually important? You know, what's, what's the, what's the way in which I can direct this conversation? So that's definitely, oh, that's so good.
0: Kathy, I know that you, you're also passionate about this. So that's kind of why I want to open up this door for a second, which is in your career, you've amassed like such an amazing wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to things like style and also certain traditions and things like that. And One of the things that I love about being, well, yes, in new music, but also in classical music is feeling like I'm part of this just long, long running river. Like we get to step in just as artists into this thing that's been going on for all of time, all of humankind, right? Is music making of all kinds of sorts. And so I wanted to ask you about specifically where you, what you feel about being kind of a torchbearer for tradition, but also being really open to what comes next in our field. And do you ever feel tensions with that? Or is it is it really easy for you to kind of parse like, well, here's some information about what I know that we've done in the past, but also you're welcome to change this. What does that feel like for you?
1: If at this point, it feels really like energizing and freeing, because I think there's a there's a huge movement all around mm-hmm. to, I, I think we're kind of at the end of an era Yeah, at a flexion point oh, um, that, I mean, you never, you never see clearly what's happening in a community until you're like a century down the road. and yeah. then <laughs> then, uh, People are reading about what happened wh- while you were alive. Um. So, so there was this explosion of time in, in this this explosion of activity in the united states that led to a very big degree of specialization mm-hmm. i think there've always been specialists in all kinds of different cultures but classical music in america after the wars you know married with capitalism and married with other things in our particular culture led very much to this sort of like what are you going to be yeah are you going to be a performer? Are you going to be a composer? Are you going to be a, a historian? Are you going to are you going to conduct? Are you going to play the piano? Are you going to are you going to be a teacher? And you, I I am definitely part of the generation that experienced that sort of bifurcation. Singers really have lived this, and I think are some of the last people to experience the release of some of those boundaries mm-hmm. um you know finally we're moving into an era where singers can be known as teachers and still be performing or <laughs> take part in artistic leadership and still be performing yes i mean that that kind of thing didn't happen in the years that i was training you needed to be retired from the stage before you could really start doing that stuff. And that's a boundary that never existed quite in the same way for instrumentalists, but there were other boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so some of those boundaries are like, you know, class boundaries, like how fancy are you? And some of those boundaries are economic, but definitely my training was part of that era. Like, what is the thing you're gonna pick? And that feels very, you know, American to me, like, <laughs> up the ladder, you know, uh-huh. and, and, like, you don't want to waste your time. Yeah. It isn't going to be, well, you know, and, and all of those, so all I'm happy to be alive and still working in an era where, where that all of those things are very much changing, and there's not, like, a moment where it starts to change, but we're, like, in the middle of that change now. Yeah. Um, and that was already underway when the last like pandemic years happened and that just kind of threw it all into flux. Oh, so I think, I think people are probably always um, you know, you get into the middle of your life and you're always carrying the knowledge that you've amassed and you're all, all and you're always looking with wonder at what's coming up after you, mm-hmm. some of which is maybe influenced by your generation and much of which is not. Um so i'm not sure how different this era is than any others except certainly it feels like many significant turbulences and changes are are around and and i feel like it's cool yeah. <laughs> and cool and amazing <laughs>
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that I gravitate towards so much in you and your ethos about being a musician artist is is just kind of an anti-gatekeeping sense of a sense of self like that. I just never get that feeling from you, even though you are such an incredible musician and you like I, like I said, you've worked in all of these amazing places, but you are so welcoming in general with all of your knowledge and you're really like such a great collaborative spirit maybe you could talk about a little bit i know specifically some more recently you've done a lot of collaborative projects and how you've gotten more and more into allowing maybe allowing yourself even to kind of take that role where you are contributing in these creative ways to things that maybe you didn't didn't always do you kind of ch- tried something new in these collaborative projects
1: I I sort of want to say something about gatekeeping first if that's okay. Oh, though. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I think it I I should I should preface this by saying that I think I've had just like an unbelievable amount of good fortune in my career. I did seriously, I had I had amazing breaks early on and a lot a lot of support yeah. in my life and and so anything that i'm about to say doesn't change the fact that that's true yeah one of the things that i've always carried through my experience in the classical music world is is a real feeling of not belonging simply through economic class
0: oh honey um, preach on it i feel you yeah. on that
1: yeah like that's a real that's a real hard thing to talk about Mm -hmm. Um, and some of that the way that that has been expressed in my lifetime feels like like a continuation of sort of the United States as the poor stepchild to Europe right like (laughs) I mean it's it's not that long ago that you know if you needed if you wanted to get a serious education you had to go to Europe right Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. I mean that's core. I was ever born, you know. Training in the United States is great, but there's so much about what we do in classical music and especially in opera. I mean, mm-hmm. most severely in opera, there's all this performance around a certain kind of economic class and 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 sort of educated class, and in a very specific way, in a very yeah. sp- sort of specific sort of white way east coast way Mm -hmm. um european way um and i when i started to be interested in trying to pursue this i i always felt like the person who didn't know what to do there was you know like seated at the table with donors in that sort of like what the hell are all the forks for (laughs) (laughs) realizing immediately that the amount of money it took to clothe your body that night was a way smaller amount of money than what it took to close other people's bodies mm-hmm. um all the stuff that happens when we're coming up about how we learn to fake that appearance of wealth with each yeah. other like yeah. you know like buying yeah. the gown wearing it for the photo shoot returning it to sex yes. <laughs> i mean like all of all of that stuff and yeah. and you sort of you sort of get used to it but but you you carry that sort of memory around in your body. And like, that's that's one of, of my particular parts of it, but like many people experience that, that feeling of otherness and that feeling of not belonging and of have to, having to sort of perform a certain way. We're not talking about musical performance nope. here, but uh, the way that you perform to be in a room as an auditioner and even the way that you learn to perform as a student with a mentor, mm-hmm. the, way you, the way that you learn to perform reverence for the past and obedience to the past and your relationship to, to the tradition that you're learning. Mm-hmm. And that's really complicated because you do want to learn the tradition, right? Right. As I right. said, I mean, one feels pride in that and connection, like in this almost mystical way, to all of these incredible people that have come before you. Right. Um, So, so that's kind of a hard thing to, to take apart. You don't always, I, I certainly didn't see it clearly why, while it was happening to me, I couldn't have articulated any of that. Right? No, same. Like, Like, (laughs) I just, (laughs) um, but, but yeah, I think, I think that's, that's something I think a lot now, um, now that I now that I've reached the age where I'm like the holder of some of that experience and some of that information, just to just to interrogate like what are the ways in which I won't see the barriers that I'm putting up between myself and people? What are the? I mean, of course, you know the, you know the things that you're aware of, right? And yep. you don't know the things that you're not aware of, so. You know, I don't think that my teachers were thinking to my, themselves. Now I will communicate to her that you know I don't like her dress, or I like. I don't think yeah. anybody ever said anything like that to me. No, right? but <laughs> well, I also know it wasn't all in my own head. No, you know, because no. it is because I I see as you nod your head on screen as I talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you you know what those you know what some of that whole oh absolutely too, right? yeah
0: well and. I think we've talked about this before, but coming up in kind of like an arts family you know an arts education family right music and theater I was not unaware of like you know how auditions work and stuff like that coming up but then as you start to like make your way there was a lot of kind of that feeling of like uh midwestern earnestness that I had like entering a field that I was like there are some unwritten expectations about how to be here <laughs> And I was like, "And I need to figure out what those are because I'm showing up a little too, little too earnest
1: here. Yeah, a little, a little too something, and nobody will tell me what it is." Same. I grew up. I grew up in a musical town. Like I, I did theater when I was a kid, and I had like I knew what an audition was. Um, I I also was a violinist when I was younger. I mean, like not very good, and way yeah. younger. But like I knew what it was like to go in and play an audition for an orchestra. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. and then suddenly, suddenly in opera, I felt in every way like musically, personally, I felt like there were all these unwritten things that I needed to figure out and I didn't know them and 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 that sort of it it made me feel ashamed and it also completely engaged me I was like I'm gonna figure it out especially when it came to the music it was like you know teach me your ways
0: yeah right
1: (laughs) and like and then we get we get kind of like I, I think that's
0: the best part is that we can kind of also find our way into that community and I think in the past you've heard me talk about that was one of the things that kind of helped me find new music was that there were aspects of the opera field that were not opera that, that I was like, I don't know if this is my tribe. I don't know if this is my, like, and it is in certain ways, but it's not always. And, and you don't know that until you know that. And so, but, and it doesn't mean that it won't, it's always that way. It just meant that at that point in time, I was like, Hmm, I don't necessarily feel like I belong here or I have different values than this. Let me see if I can find a a musical space, an artistic space in which I can more freely play in a sandbox, you know, feel like I've got access to the kinds of things I want to do. And Uh, I love, I love that you've said these things because I know that there are also lots of teachers that are, you know, performers that are administrators, you know, that are also thinking about this. They really want to give their students the information about maybe some of those unwritten rules or those kind of expectations without contributing or whatever the word is like the the proliferation of some of the things that we don't want in going forward in the future and that can feel like um you kind of caught between a rock and a hard place sometimes where you're like I want to let you know that there's an expectation or like there's this might be a backwards way of thinking about it but you might bump into somebody that still feels this way. So here's a little bit of this information. Do with it what you will, <laughs> but that's a that's a balance that we're always trying to achieve, which is can we be more thoughtful, more empathetic, more human first in our field, while still making sure that our students have the the best information we can possibly give them.
1: I think what I you you you've coalesced a thought for me that. That, that hasn't come to me quite in this way before, but as I listened to you talk, um, I think for me, the thing about opera, more than any other performing tradition, was that beginning to interact with that repertoire was w- what made it possible for me to get really excited about the traditions because so many of the traditions were based in people. Yes. Yes. They they were based they were based in character and they were based in like the choices of some great performer. Yeah. At some point, even the repertoire gets built around these great performers. And I was like, I "I can vibe with that. Yeah. Like that's not that's not just like, you know, music is on this page and and it exists here in some you know, platonic form that you need to try to like get to. It's like, no, actually, this is just like a road map, and it's not even right. We haven't like, we haven't like, ch- like this this cul-de-sac was made into a through street a long time ago, <laughs> but nobody's updated the map. The right? only You need to talk to the people who've been there. You need to talk to the yeah. people who live in that city. Yeah. And I was like, I'm down with that. But I can see where. But I. But. I also love doing brand new stuff for the same reason, because because nobody's holding up the map and being like, well, this is the map, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, nobody's ever doing that. (laughs) It's it's just, um, maybe some of it is just the tension between like trying to learn the stuff you need to learn and then taking ownership of yourself as an artist, right? Oh, Absolutely and maybe that's harder to do under capitalism, actually. Oh, you know, I think that we can both agree to that. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely, because because it's harder to take a chance. Um, There's so much more riding on every one of your performances. Yeah. When things aren't publicly funded, it means that funding can go away so much easier. Yeah. You know, yep. if people don't like it. So I feel like Performers in the United States do something really hard. They take on all of this expertise that they've got to do. And then the line that they gotta walk is pretty narrow. Yeah. At least I mean, we're I'm talking specifically in the classical world.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's maybe maybe that's part of what is happening at this time now that feels like a real flexion point is as we interrogate a lot of this stuff, we're also starting to interrogate that, which is pretty terrifying. Like, oh man, right? <laughs> like, if we don't, like if we don't have our donors, who do we have, right? Right, right. So, so that's also like a huge transformative bunch of conversations that are in the process of happening.
0: Yeah, well, and that kind of leads me back to this conversation, or kind of to that question that I was asking, which is that you, you've also taken on some really interesting creative collaborations, and so you have taken on those risks recently. You've you've decided to create things that might I don't I don't know if you would necessarily like I'm not going to call the subject like controversial, but you definitely had like you have some some really amazing creative ideas that you've put put out into the world. And so I'm wondering if that kind of if you felt the tension or if you felt any nerves about kind of taking that step as as a as another facet of your creative self by putting that out there
1: i think that um for me it was really energizing to take creative risks instead of professional risks Mm. the 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 sort of like feel the fear and do it anyway moments that i've had have all been like career changes like
0: yeah
1: moving from this opera house to that opera house Mm -hmm. moving Mm -hmm. across the ocean yeah scary I'm gonna gonna be the first girl to do this yeah Um, you know like that stuff is cool um it feels it feels way less risky and way more rewarding even if nobody else likes it it's so much more rewarding to me to take creative risks but I also have to say I started doing that when a lot of us people who are conservative enough to have based our careers in opera and academia because that's like Inherently, a very conservative choice, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what can motivate a safety lover like that to take a risk while well, everything's shutting down? All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you're like, well, everything's like the whole cart's turned upside down. So, let's uh, just like, get out there. This is not me saying, like, yay, pandemic, because it made me make some opera with my friends. No, it's like an ongoing, like, tragedy in the world, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and and there were so many different reactions to it, right? Mm-hmm. For for many people, the the beginning of the pandemic was a an extended period of mourning. Yeah. Like that's not crazy. Mm-hmm. That's real. Yep. For a lot of people who were performers, that was like a serious dimming of their light and their yep. will to perform. For for some of us, it was a moment of absolute galvanizing panic Mm you know and and I say that from from the standpoint of a person who held an academic position that was never in uh danger of going away during the pandemic Mm -hmm. so I was operating from a place of safety I did not sure I lost some freelance work like a lot of people did but I didn't have like my calendar go away yeah so many people did which is just one of the most traumatic things I can imagine. And I watched it happen to so many people. Yeah, And so you're part of an entire world for which this is happening, like inside your profession and outside of your profession. It's just, yeah. I think, I, I still don't think we're ready to start describing what is still in the process of happening to us, but especially the incredibly traumatic beginning of it. Oh, um, sure, I, yeah. So anyway, I, that's, that's kind of all of that. Yep. Uh, next to which anybody's like artistic accomplishments during the pandemic seem pretty small, but, but I did, I, I was lucky to have a group of friends. We kind of reached out to uh, each other and we were like, let's do things. Yes. Yep. <laughs> in, in a sort of just like, we, we, we're the kind of people who handle anxiety by doing stuff yep Yep. which is like not you know not bad or good it's just true it's just it's a coping mechanism Uh, yep (laughs) my my mom does this my mom is like in her 80s and when she's tense she'll go and like prune all of the bushes (laughs) and like do yard work like that's so like that's and, and like, that's what helps her get through stress. So I think some of that creation came through that, but also I think it came everybody who was doing different stuff in the different way that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe some people who weren't doing activity were like holding space for like all of the collective grief, right? Like yeah. we're still all part of the system together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the activity that arose, whoever was doing it during that time, um, was also founded in the knowledge that somehow, you know, March 14th or whatever the day before the shutdown was, like that time was never coming back in the mm-hmm. same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I still am not smart enough to say what what things look like even like a couple years from now. But right. But the but the life that we knew before the pandemic is not gonna take shape in that way again. So the only way that you figure out what that's gonna be is to keep on moving through it. Yeah. As artists, um for me it was probably always gonna be an act a time of activity rather than rest, just because that's well, yeah. That's, just cause that's how ideal. Like really and also
0: knowing... reinforcing your your relationships with those people, you know, because I think that's a big part of it is, you know, classical music and opera, we are always in relation to each other, because that's how it happens. Like, you can't make it by yourself. And so, so we're used to that. But then if that, if that kind of goes away a little bit with, with the pandemic, you're gonna naturally probably reach out and say, like, can we reinforce our bonds together by maybe a creative activity, or let's just be doing something together so that we're in this together. It doesn't feel like I'm so isolated.
1: In a way, there's there's something also deeply, just deep about being in the middle of your life or past the middle of your life and being forced into a situation where if you're going to try to do something, you're not going to know how to do it and you're not going to be good at it. I think it's <laughs> harder. It's harder oh. to do those experiences as you age. It's harder to force yourself to do them. Yeah. The gift of being forced to do them again, not like silver linings of the pandemic, yeah. you know. But the but the gift of being forced into that situation is that you find out that that you still can like learn to do new things. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's a very powerful message to be able to take as a teacher um, or as a mentor into a, an environment that is inherently uncertain,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Because mm-hmm. because uh, also I think there's. There's a very high degree of uncertainty that is very likely for all of us, you know, in all of the years that we can see in front of us, right? Yeah. So one of the messages that we can bear about uncertainty is that you can figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. And also stuff can get figured out even if you don't have your hands in the middle of it right away. Like, Like everything is still actually everybody working together all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and that's what, and that is also maybe a hard lesson to learn in capitalism. Yes, <laughs> you know? because I mean, for if any, if anybody thinks I'm talking down capitalism, I mean, I sort of am, but <laughs> but also like like I go to Costco, so what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I go to Costco. But, what, but one of the things that I mean, we're so encouraged toward the pursuit of and celebration of individual achievement. And I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I'm Super proud of my individual achievements. I'm yeah. super impressed by yours. But also like, are you sure? Like, are you sure about the world, the word individual? Yeah. Right. We're mm-hmm. only we're only ever operating as part of this giant system of people yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I think I think that's maybe that's maybe the thing that I know now that I didn't know five years ago. Yeah. Like, if I'm resting and you're working, we're creating something together. If we're working together, that's happening. If we're not in the same yeah. place, still affecting each other. Yeah. If that's yeah. just, that's, I am sure about that. I am sure.
0: <laughs> well, and Kathy, you just reminded me of something that I like to say to people, which that's such a great way of putting it. In, helps me remind me of our, of our ecosystem. And I remember that or whenever that light bulb went on for me about when we're all doing our work, that's what makes it work. So the individual achievements, I can't get quote unquote, the review. If there isn't someone there to write the review, like to be that person who write, who does their job, really really well. And also someone that's doing this, someone that's doing that without those things, without people doing all of their parts, then that you're absolutely right. You can't you can't even have an individual achievement because all of it is is some form of group. <laughs> like some and like that's why we have to show up and do our jobs, but then everybody is together in the ecosystem. That's how it works.
1: That's right. That's right. And here we are in this little corner of the ecosystem. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I feel like you're really good at that. You're really good (laughs) at at, at community and building it and, and just doing it very intentionally. Thank you. I love watching that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well,
0: Kathy, I'm going to kind of switch gears because. I know, you know, I know that teaching is such a huge part of your life. And I'm wondering if you would just walk us through what is a skill? What is, this can be a technical skill. It can be a hard skill, a soft skill. It can be music related, non-music related. What is a skill that you love to teach? I love to teach
1: people how to practice.
0: Ooh, tell us more.
1: (laughs) I think, I think that that's, that's maybe one of the most important things about mentoring, actually. I mean, definitely, definitely passing on physical skills that, yeah. you know, um, interestingly, like as a coach of singers, I can't really do that. There are, there are some people who coach singers who are really good at like vocal advice. And, like that has never been my thing. I can give some pretty decent advice to pianists, but, but one thing, one thing that I do think I I have developed pretty well and I just love doing it is helping somebody figure out what it is that they need to do in order to help themselves learn better yeah you know like do they need to slow down do they need to speed up do they need to break things into um, manageable chunks do they need to repeat things more do they need to repeat things less mm. do they- Mostly it's about where do people actually need to put their attention? Mm-hmm. This is just like so human, right? Because like, yeah. like, I think of the number of things that I do every day that feel like work that are literally not the work that I need to do. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's real. <laughs> I need to finish writing the syllabus. I wonder what I will use for listening examples. Perhaps I will try this one thing. Oh my god, this artist is amazing. Two and a half hours later, like I'm still on Spotify listening to him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and but that's it. Do you know what I mean? So oh, like yeah. I'm doing stuff that is absolutely feeding me as a musician. I'm having a great time. I'm also like not getting my test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it's it, I I love just sitting with people and figuring out what it is that they are paying attention to.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And um Actually, can I nerd out on this for a second?
0: That's why I ask. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, no, please don't talk about this. Um, <laughs> uh, so where this where this often comes out in a way that is totally delightful is in translation. Mm. I, love, I I love everything about languages. I love everything about the fact that you can't you can't really replace one language with another. You do your best, right? Right, right. It, Learning a different language is such a great metaphor for just talking to another person. All you can do is get as close as possible. <laughs> You're never going to know exactly. Truly. What's... So often, often I'll be working on something musical, some piece of music with a with a young singer, and I'll wonder, like, why, why are they doing the phrase that way? Like, why, why is the tone color like that? Why, why are they doing the rubato? Is at the, why are they pushing the phrase forward right when it seems it needs to relax mm-hmm. and often the reason will hinge on some small error of translation
0: wow. if I,
1: if instead of digging into the music musical details and turning it into a sort of opinion conversation like well you know don't you think maybe you should try or like I feel the music in this way if I really dig into like what are you saying tell me what you're mm-hmm. saying hmm it'll turn out that somebody has like slightly mistranslated some archaic Italian verb form, oh, right. or like, missed the subjunctive um, tense in German or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And and they'll, they'll they think, okay, like a great example of this, just to be totally d- dorky, is the end of the recitative before non midir in Don Giovanni. Yes. The last thing that Donanna says to her lover, who's, she's basically saying like, back off, my dad was just murdered. So, (laughs) You know, that's super common phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Like, stop talking to me about our wedding because like, I'm grieving. Just pull your jets. Um, But of course, first she has to reassure him that she loves him and then sing her aria. The last thing she says to him is, Abbastanza per te mi parla amore, which means love is speaking to me about you enough. In other words, like like maybe I'm not showing it right now, but love, like yeah. embodied love, is speaking in your favor for me right now. Yeah. Um, often because the word abastanza means enough. Um, and because the order of the words in the sentence is weird, I've talked to many, many don- young Donanas who will say that that sentence means it's enough. It's it's enough talk of love. Yeah, yeah, like like enough. And it's so interesting because that is actually the that's what the situation means. Right. The si- her the opinion of the character in that in that moment is like, dude, enough. <laughs> what she's saying to him at the moment right but but the difference between those two meanings is everything in terms of expression in terms of how much time you'll take with something in terms of whether you choose to sing the high note with force or with protection right Mm -hmm. so so there are so many little moments like that when people are singing outside of the language that they speak right where where i find out that uh an interpretive choice that I that I think is weird or that I think is wrong is actually an absolutely legitimate interpretive choice for what the singer thinks they are saying. Right. 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 And yeah. if you clear, if you clear up the meaning of the words, yeah, everything else starts to fall into place. And I just I think of the I think of many, many examples in the past where I wish I would have started with that question.
0: Definitely. Instead
1: of instead of what instead of with, oh well, that B flat needs to be piano because that you know, because you know, if you listen to anybody, it needs to be right, that way. right, right, right. So, so so there you go. Like there's there is the core of teaching for me. Yeah. You can, you can hand down a tradition or a directive. Like it is correct to say to Donana that B flat needs to be like controlled. Yeah. Correct. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also not attached to anything except your authority, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just, you ask somebody, what are you saying in this moment? Yep. Yep. You say, oh, not co- actually not. Yeah. Actually, this is what you're saying. And then everything changes and you didn't have to like give any instructions. Yeah. Like that, that yeah. is the coolest. And
0: you really helped them make their own artistic choices rather than saying here i'm bestowing this artistic choice on you
1: even more than that you get to acknowledge that they were making their own artistic yes yes (laughs) (laughs) they were not they were not like unaware of like the the point was not i didn't listen to enough recordings of don giovanni or or i didn't think about this i was Mm -hmm. i was talking to a younger colleague of mine the other day um who the slight subject change, but I'm coming back, yeah. um, who I think is experiencing to a certain extent what I experience sometimes as a younger woman and what I see some younger women experiencing in groups, which is an unconscious assumption on the part of older colleagues that if the younger colleague has made a choice that the older colleague doesn't understand or doesn't agree with, it must be because the younger colleague just didn't think it through. Right, right. <laughs> not not like, and and there's and there's a lot of language that comes from older to younger, kind of along those lines, like mm-hmm. like, well, have you considered, or you know, maybe, maybe you don't know that, but just it's kind of the assumption that. It's like, if you knew any better, then you wouldn't have done that. (laughs) So, so like, there's, there's, I, I don't think that anybody anybody speaking to a younger colleague like that is thinking, I'm gatekeeping. No, but there is that kind of gatekeeper language, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, you know, if you've made, if you made an artistic choice that is different than what my generation considered normal, maybe you just need to know more. Mm-hmm. About what we were doing right. when we were forty. <laughs> it's like... Right, right. <laughs> um, so, so I think, but I think that kind of I, I think that's that's just an inherent pitfall in the mentorship conversation, right? Right. No matter what kind of mentorship it is, one of the things that has uh, just energized me so much is the relatively recent. I think it's relatively recent. Maybe I'm speaking from ignorance, um, but relatively recent to me. Um, concept of having mentorship from younger generation to older Mm, mm
0: -hmm, which mm -hmm. is
1: which is great right like so what what the older generation bears to the younger is like experience from the past yeah like yeah. I heard people sing live that you will never sing live because you weren't you know <laughs> you weren't old enough to hear them at the same time that I was yeah but the whole bunch of stuff that people who are 30 years younger than me know about the world that I do not know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I'm around in that world but I'm but I didn't grow up in this world in the same way that they did I don't know what they're talking about I don't know what they see yeah and so like mentorship back up yeah you yes know, age ladder is just is really important and um and that's not something that's really taken hold in the classical world <laughs> i was <laughs> like i feel like they could but i don't think this is <laughs> the listeners
0: could like feel my eye roll through the <laughs> through the track <laughs> at that point
1: i <laughs> 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 not really so much a thing in academia either but
0: <laughs> hey there divas Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love Studio Class? You can support it now by joining the sybaritic Camerata on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com/metzoenin m e z z o i h n e n. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a masterclass scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash And now we're back to the episode.
1: Well, well I, but I, yeah. think, I think both these systems would really benefit from this. It's not absent, actually. Like, it is it is starting to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. everything that is starting to happen. So yeah, Yeah. well, and
0: I do think it has to come from a personal, personal intention to be open, and also to be confident, because you have to be confident in the fact that you, you do have information and knowledge to give, but you are open and flexible to receive new information at the same time. It's not a negation of what you bring to the table. It's, it's that you're working together and everybody's augmenting. You're like, I did not think of that before. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Like, so I think that's just so important. And it, But it none of us, regardless of age or experience, are immune from becoming rigid in our thoughts. And yeah, and and I think, are you sure and trying new creative projects, it just always, you just keep bringing me back to like beginner's mind and being comfortable with like, well, this might be new to me, or this is a new thing that I'm learning. And it doesn't mean that anything's invalidated. It just means that here's something new to try. I'm still alive. I'm learning every day.
1: (laughs) I think that that music is such, the study of music and the performance of music and collaborative work is such a an available gateway into this kind of thinking. Yeah, It's not a gimme, like it mm-hmm. doesn't for you automatically, but it certainly encourages it. I mean, it yeah. literally teaches you to listen, right? Yes, yes. So, yes. so, and it seems to me that we're in such dire, dire need of this, right? Mm-hmm. When I see of how much of our discourse is so polarized and how much of the way in which we interact with each other is almost set up to train us toward that kind of polarization, mm-hmm. um, to train us away from the question, are you sure? Yep. Um, I mean, I just human technology has always we've always been able to build things that we're not ready to handle. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think we're really there are a lot of, lot of things about this communication that we're not very ready to handle. Agreed. Something 100%. Feels, yeah. yeah. I mean, social media is like alcohol, right? Like it's yeah. great. And a very, very large number of people can use it with joy mm-hmm. and maybe a bit of regret, yeah. but not insignificant number of people get into real trouble with it. Yep. Yep. And, and I Yeah, I got nothing smart to say, except that that was was very smart. (laughs) But but that's kind of that's kind of another another reason that these things are so front of mind for us. Right. Because because it's it's just imperative that we hang on to our skills to be able to think and interact with one another this way and to really try to to encourage a lot of this to to teach a lot of it to yeah. to, to to bring that skill around mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. To keep on developing it to make sure that we still like are taking care of it and having it yes yes absolutely it's not automatic like you just you don't just have it and then walk around with it forever yeah and right
0: and you've been bestowed <laughs>
1: with this thing well like... oh, I'm an excellent listener <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you all about it
0: it's amazing it's like it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand that you can hear 15 cents flat but you can't hear when somebody is done (laughs) (laughs) that has to go on a t-shirt that's amazing (laughs) I was like I keep we have little like i I'm not big into merch, but I'm like, we get these little quotes in, in studio class here and there where I'm like, oh, that, yeah, oh, I might go for that one. <laughs> but you, Kathy, you were talking about skills and one of the ways that, you know, kind of in sybaritic singer land and the, in the podcast and stuff like that, that has really helped me focus on not getting overwhelmed by all the things that one could do, but in like you said, with practicing, like breaking stuff down, as I really think about micro actions, I really just like to help myself break it down to its smallest level and be like, what's manageable? What can I, what can I take on today that helps me feel like I've looked at my career, my practice my life and I I chose something that was a manageable little thing today <laughs> and I'm wondering could you share with us something that you think is a micro action that you've employed in your in your career that you feel like has been really helpful
1: that's a great question because I would say that I have not been I've thinking about that has been a relatively recent practice for me Um definitely part of the reason that I was cut out for opera house work is because I didn't have good boundaries between my work and my life. Um, which is really helpful if you're gonna work in the arts. And oh yeah, I I love you on that. Yeah. I mean, that's it definitely is something that I have struggled with. Um but these days these days, five minutes are kind of what I think about, like, can you get on the yoga mat for five minutes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you sit and not do anything and breathe for five minutes? Yeah. You know, can you, can you shut off your screen for five minutes? Can you repeat this part of this piece that you can't play with for five minutes? Yeah. Can yeah. you spend, can you spend five minutes on the phone with your mom? Can you spend five minutes doing French yeah. in Duolingo? Yeah. It's like five minutes. Yep. Can you, can you just do that? Um, and, and also like, can you spend five minutes planning <laughs> the week ahead with this enormous project where you actually like need more than five minutes? <laughs> That's, but, but, but. I mean, that actually helps me a lot. Yeah. Because I definitely I definitely will always have the tendency to, you know, start doing my syllabus and then spend two hours on Spotify. Yeah. And then be like, oh, I maybe I'll stay up till one and get it done now. Right. Right. The next day. Um, so I keep on trying to just return to the five minute thing. And it's yeah. And and I have arrived that through I've arrived at that through being a mentor to students. Yeah. You know, yep. to just helping helping people who are beginning to try to organize a methodical approach to their natural talent. Yeah. You yes. know, and just and they're in that in that time in their twenties where you can like you can blow yourself out, but also like recover really fast.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And,
1: great today and so I sang for four hours and now I can't talk for two days like okay so so let's talk about how to organize that or um I got assigned this song in French and I've never done it before and like the language feels really bad and I don't know how to get started okay so let's break it down but also can you visit it every day for five minutes yep yeah. How much of the song can you work on, just the text, in five minutes? Is it one sentence? Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Right. You know, and and sometimes you'll do it for five and you'll realize, oh, I can do it for 15, actually. Yeah. You yeah. know? Or, or you also start to be aware of, like, what is your groove that day? Instead yes. of sort of, like, panic- Random stuff that isn't actually work. Like if I, I I decide to work on the second movement of From the Diary of Virginia Woolf by Dominic Argento, damn it! Why? Yes, yeah. Oh, curses, Dominic! I love that piece so much, (laughs) but but the second movement is so hard to play. Yes. Um, So like if if I commit to just visiting part of that for five minutes every day, well, actually, I'll be playing a lot. I'll be playing it a lot better in a week. Yeah. But also most days I'll find out that I can easily spend 15.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so like my I'm totally with you for micro actions, like micro plans. Yeah. Just a little bit every day, you know. Well, and I
0: think at when that was you know when when I was really giving myself that kind of or really getting into the this concept of micro actions was also at a time where I really needed to be honest about what all went into the thing that I was putting on the list and that ability to kind of break things down so that it's not like you know it's not like memorize all of act two right memorize all of act two is like is like 75 little tiny things you know yeah and so that's I think that was a big part for me about about getting honest about all of the things that I'm just like throwing on a list being like all of this is totally gonna happen and then being like what are the things that I'm kind of glossing over in here that um then I don't also beat myself up if I didn't check off the bigger thing because it it helped me get clear on there might be some gray areas about things that I don't know how to tackle or any of that kind of stuff in oh, the larger so thing. Good. Yeah. So that was the that was a big part of it for me was when I started to break it down, it helped me get clearer on, oh, I actually don't know how to do this thing. I probably need to research, ask somebody, you know, phone a friend, <laughs>
1: like whatever it is. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I love that. I love that you use the word honest too. When you first said that well, I well, I thought that's kind of harsh, but but actually yeah just to be to to be honest and just kind of clear-eyed to see the many tiny parts right yeah. it's 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 never one big thing you know it's never one big performance it's always 300 people it's always right right you know yeah it's it's a micro actions i love your actions <laughs> <phrases. laughs> i'm seeing <laughs> <standing> it <laughs> Please do. Have at it.
0: It's like, it's there for the taking. <laughs> so Kathy, I'm wondering, I love to talk about repertoire, but we're going to kind of keep this part kind of short and sweet. But if is there anything that you're feeling like is on the wish list right now? Anything that you're working on that you kind of are wanting to chat about kind of what's, what's in your repertoire brain at the moment?
1: Well, I just mentioned um, the from the diary of Virginia Wolf, this song cycle by Dominic Argento. I that has been a bucket list piece for me for a while and I get to do it in February.
0: I didn't. Is this the first time that you're doing it? Yes. What? I've never done this
1: before. I, I can't know.
0: believe that. No, I feel like you've I feel like you've been doing this like, you know, for like a decade or something. <laughs> I have I
1: have I have coached a couple of people on the piece, yeah. but I've never gotten a chance to perform it. Yeah. But, Jamie Van Eyck, wonderful Mezzo Soprano, and I will yes. do it together in February. Oh, fantastic. Repertoire. So I'm so I'm super excited about that. And a project I really want to mention, which is super near and dear to my heart. Um, Soprano Emily Albrink and I are going to be doing a brief recital tour and CD release. woo Yep. Uh this this is monumental. This is really all Emily. Um, she commissioned four brand new song cycles for Soprano. Um, And she did this in tribute to her mom. Like the whole story is incredible. She's from Louisville. Her mom was a phenomenal pianist and taught like everyone in Louisville, Kentucky or a whole bunch of people. Um, (laughs) She also passed away very early from very virulent form of cancer, unfortunately. Not long before the pandemic. Um, so way too early. Yeah, uh, so Emily decided that she wanted to do this to honor her mother. um and also, like, did all of the fundraising. And so part of this story is, you know, the forty year legacy of this woman as a teacher and this whole community of people that, therefore uh-huh. felt connected to this music and this project. I but love We found four poets, four composers. They wrote all of this music for her and me, and we recorded it in May. And wow. The CD comes out in March, and
0: oh my gosh, we're
1: go a couple of places and do the music live and
0: amazing.
1: I can't wait! I can't wait. I yes. can't wait for the world to hear all of
0: this. Oh well, I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna nudge you for the the links for that, and I'll put them in the show notes so that people can kind of find out about both the album and if they're close enough, like maybe see, see one of the performances. And that's, I think that's just such a cool way. Obviously, you know, that I'm, you know, a new music lover, but I, I just find that to be such a cool way to connect with people and to share your love of music in all of these different ways with people. And I, that, that project just really inspires me. I'm so happy that you're doing that.
1: I, and I am loving watching just the explosion of like artist driven projects, right? You know, people, people who are really figuring out, like, what do I want to do? And how am I going to get it done? As opposed to who will give me a chance to do something. Right, right. Also important, auditions are not bad. Asking right, for opportunities <laughs> from other people is great. Yes. It. Go, go get all the opportunities, but also <laughs> yeah. like, like people can make their own. They can. Yes. yes. You no. Know?
0: and we have so many opportunities to do that now you have so many avenues and it's all about kind of just figuring you know everything's a collaboration and audition into a production is a is a cha- is an opportunity to collaborate with people right but also you can create your own opportunities for collaboration yeah and none of it's really off limits right that's the beautiful part is that even even these very like I think about all the the people that have also gotten more and more into doing like sound baths or sound healing and realizing that this was available to them where they were like, well, you can just like, you can just make sounds for people in this way. Like that. I could just do this. And you're like, yup. (laughs) And like, and I think that's, so there's so many ways to be, be the kind of artist that you want to be in the world. And like going way back in our conversation To not just seeing yourself as having to niche down to like the tiniest, tiniest thing, the tiniest specialty, but being able to say, well, yes, I do have skills in this area and I do over here and I want to be able to pursue those. And, and like, and I'm going to do that. And it's okay. Sometimes people are going to perceive you as one thing or the other that happens, right? That happens. But you doesn't it doesn't change the ability for you to pursue them right you got to go
1: yeah i do think it's important that our institutions start really valuing um all of the different ways yeah to be a musician to interact with music yeah um i think i, I think maybe they're doing a better job of that i'd probably like i can't speak for every institution right. some places
0: kicking and screaming but yeah you know <laughs>
1: There's an article I need to send to you that you can link in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, it was a great article that I was passing around the other day. A lot of people were. Um, just the work of two wonderful researchers in Finland yeah. about this very topic. Um, oh, and great. So it's, again, it's more like worldwide. Everybody's talking about this at the same time. It's not a niche yeah. conversation, which Definitely. means we're in the middle of it. But yeah, if we're... if If we really do value everything, you know, all all of the ways of being a a musician, and then it doesn't feel like a move up or down any kind of scale to say I'm a performer, but also, you know, sound baths and also also grant writing and also and also church music and also Um, singing in this choir. And also I have students, you know, or, and any, any part of that and any shifting um, between those activities, like that's, and and I don't think that's different than what musicians have ever done, right? right? I think we're coming out of this very brief era, where the conversation around musicianship was around specialization mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. you know that's
1: that's probably in a couple hundred years when we look back that will be a relatively brief period in human history right right You know? yeah you, you think you th- you really don't have to get very far back into the 19th century to get back into the era of performers being conductors and performers being composers and composers being conductors not that that ever totally stopped right but it did sort of by the time you get to leonard bernstein i mean he did all those things like nobody stopped him but a lot of people said about him like well you know what is he actually or like you know i you hear people say of things about like john adams as a conductor (laughs) but 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 with that sort of idea that you're not supposed to try to do more than one thing right but I think that's. but I, I do think that we'll end up seeing that as a blip I know? think so too
0: yeah and I I hope that we each kind of bring our own personal responsibility to catching ourselves if we're engaging in that kind of narrow thinking when we're just yeah. saying like let's be Let's be really thoughtful about being open to genres, open to styles open to different forms of being a musician because it's all valid. Like I, I spend, Kathy, I'm, I'm sure you feel this I spend so much time in my coaching life reminding people that they are valid artists, even if they make money outside of music. And I'm like yes. I'm like, oh let it like let's just let that go. I know that that's come to you some way. You brought it in osmosis somehow, and it's okay. We're just going to let that let that be somebody else's thought process. It doesn't have to live in your being anymore. <laughs> right.
1: right? Absolutely. I think it's it. it yeah, we've got to. We've just got to. We just got to open the doors to make it to make it respected and possible for anyone to pursue the, their art in the way that makes it possible for them to pursue it. Yeah, yeah. And like working for the post office is part of what makes it possible for you to do your thing, then do that. Yes, absolutely.
0: So, yeah, And also thank you for your service to the post postal service.
1: Like, cause I like Seriously. that. <laughs> Let's have a moment for that, shall we? Yes. Thank you, all postal workers. Oh, Oh, so,
0: yes, <laughs> Kathy, you already know this, you know that this, this is coming up because I talk about it a lot, but curiosity is one of my, one of my favorite things because it, I, I truly, truly believe that it's a superpower. It also keeps us kind of coming back to that. Are you sure? Like, let's get curious about this thing that I'm feeling this, this. In a, you know, dream that I'm having, this vision I'm experiencing, whatever it is, right? So I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what you're curious about these days?
1: Oh gosh, um, I'm I'm very curious about the political future of my country. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have to say that because we're taping this um, the the week before election day, so yes. it
0: is very much on our minds.
1: <laughs> like... <laughs> we're curious about that um yeah I'm curious I'm curious about the ways in which the institutions that I've dedicated my life to are going to continue to respond to the many demands that are coming at them from the generation that is coming up Mm -hmm. um from so I so I look at I look at both Performing institutions and academic institutions. That's where I've had my life. Um, The the generation that is now coming into adulthood um, with all these different ways to communicate with each other, coming into a world where there are very large threats to their well-being that did not exist in the same way when I was their age. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that they're... Not gonna just accept. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that they're not ready to stand for. There's a lot of stuff that they're asking questions about that um still still feels like it, it still feels like those questions are surprising to some of the institutions that I've that <laughs> I I've, think that's a very like, nice way of putting. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there still seems to be an element of surprise. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, But there are also a lot of people from within those institutions who have experienced things during the pandemic that are also causing them to interrogate the institutions in a way that they didn't. For a lot of people, that comes in the category of work-life balance, right? There's that that incredible article that that group of stage managers just put out, um, which is just like such amazing reading. Um, And it's a response to a big national organization that sort of um, did an article a couple months back where they said, wow, there's this big hiring crisis with stage managers. Where did they they all go? Well, money is kind of the driving factor. And so this group of stage managers responded by saying, actually... (laughs) Money is a factor because like our salaries haven't moved in a really long time. But actually, we all went home during the pandemic and got other jobs. And we were like, oh, this is what it's like to not work 80 hours a week. Yes. yes. So like, so this is an issue, right? And And it wasn't before because people were just on the hamster wheel doing the thing, right? Yeah. And those same institutions are funded by and often governed by or overseen by Um, members of a very different generation and class who have got a different set of expectations and values and a different set of things with which they are comfortable and not comfortable. So I do think that these, these old, you know, born in the 19th century or earlier in the case of academia, these institutions are really facing Enormous pressure from within and kind of from both ends. Absolutely, and I'm very, very curious about how that goes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We kind of we've kind of have, <laughs> the five stages of change. Um, we've gone through the like ah let's let's say a bunch of transformative things.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And now we're in the era of like how is that going really? Yeah. So push back from you again from all directions but i think this is the beginning of a long and i hope really transformative process yeah. right yeah i'm not a burn it all down person but i but but like the center cannot hold right yes. so so how we steward that together and how we navigate through all of that i'm i'm very curious about it because i think it's cuz cuz it's real complicated
0: yes Well, and it takes all of us. Oh, I love, I love this conversation. And I, I just really want all of us to apply our most creative selves to these big, big questions, because it doesn't change without us coming up with creative solutions and being like, well, how are we going to make this different, better, better for all of us involved, and like, you know, sustainable all over. And
1: oh. we still want to pass on traditions yeah. we still want to mentor we still want to perform we still want audiences to come and see what we do
0: right. yeah so like
1: all of that needs to survive
0: yeah and- Well, and, and it will no matter what those are like the I don't know the <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, they're, they're like the the cockroaches of society. Is like, is us getting together with other people and like making sounds that we want
1: to make for each other. Right. <laughs> yes. So it I mean, will. I literally want to be over a fire in the woods. I'm <laughs> like that part. I, I feel, feel like
0: building. Like, <laughs> I'm like I would. I you know I'm here for some creature comforts at the same time as doing that.
1: <laughs> like, it's like. Like guys, maybe we can just change what we're doing a little bit instead. Right, right. But, right. But, but but like it's it's huge. Anytime you get to to a point in human history where it feels like institutions that have always been de facto are starting to tremble. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a time of enormous opportunity but enormous turbulence and fear yeah. so i guess maybe my big curiosity is is even beyond what will happen with any of those places my curiosity is about how we will decide to care for one another mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as we as we navigate, you know, the rest of the years that I'll be around. Right.
0: Right. The rest of the years that we're, we're doing this thing that we're here and like, and caring for each other in this community and trying, like each showing up, wanting to be like, Hey, I have some creative thoughts. Let's share these
1: things. <laughs> so yeah. I'm with you. Let's try to I mean, make this life possible for us, you know? Yes. yes
0: yeah. yeah. So I, I, I love that. That's such a great place for us to kind of wrap this up, Kathy. Thank you so much. Obviously, you you know I love talking to you, so we'll keep doing this together, just like the two of us. But I love that we're giving people a chance to to join us in these conversations that you and I have been having and hopefully spark a few things for them to think about, for them to kind of connect with you. And so before I before I officially let you go, will you will you tell the folks where they can find you on the interwebs if they want to kind of stay connected with you in your in your world, where should they go?
1: Absolutely. Um, Kathleen Kelly music is my thing. So my website is kathleenkellymusic.com. on Instagram. I'm Kathleen Kelly music. Um, and Insta is the place that you can go for all the dark, all the good things. I- <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and your care and just being in community with me and, and with our listeners. And so I just want to thank you so much for that. It's, it's always a joy to spend time with you. And I hope that we get to do that more and more in person. <laughs> so, <laughs> but thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for the chance.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at MezzoEnen, that's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. (laughs) So with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.